The Tenth Short Story Trapped under their thumb like a psyched-out mofo, I can tell you that much right now. I've never been so twitchy. I'm like a freaking junkie the way I'm situated in this townhouse apartment with the lights off. Knock, knock at the door. Could that be a delivery man with my fix? No, no, it's Eden, swinging by with a Thai takeout. Eden knows how to take care of me. I rise from the couch to answer the door. To my surprise, I realize that there is no one standing outside on the doormat. That's right, I remind myself. There is no one at the door because no one knocked. The knocking was all in my head. And I don't have a friend named Eden. I don't even know anyone named Eden. The nights spent with leftover pennies and too much wine are getting worse. Dear Diary, today I'm poorer than before. I am extra, extra poor. You remember last week when I wrote that I was poor and living off ramen noodles and rented books from the library? Well, this week, dear Diary, I'm even poorer than that. I can't even afford a cheap box of instant ramen noodles. I'm living off of granola bars, soggy baby carrots, and leftover cans of chicken broth. I'm scraping the bottom of the peanut butter jar as if my life depended on it. But don't you fear, my diary. There's plenty of the wine cooler left in the kitchen, that sacred elixir to aid me in forgetting my poverty. I sit and ponder matters of the subconscious. I sit in my straight-backed wooden chair in the upstairs apartment, listening to the song Art for Art's Sake by 10CC. A recently opened bottle of chilled white Zinfandel resting complacently on the wooden floorboards. Death to sweet wine, and still I drink. And behold, there in the rent sky appears a masked princess. What is behind the mask? Why is the princess hiding her face? The tiara sits haphazardly upon her golden hair, and she is floating in the blank space of the sky like a new ghost. I cast my gaze beyond the prison cell line drawings of my window, seeking in vain to discover what is behind the sweet woman's mask. Her mask is gold, Egyptian, stolen from some poor mummy hiding away in the Metropolitan Museum. What a shock the tourists will receive when they find that Nesman's mask is gone, leaving a gaping hole where insects and dust are. I look outside my window at the floating princess. We have a stare-off, her and I. The cat slinks around, sidestepping bottles and rubbing up against my ankle. The cat cannot see this floating princess, and even if the cat could see her, it would not make any difference. At last, I yell at the window, What do you want with me? Blood and semen drip from her fingers. In her right hand, she holds a scepter crowned with a skull. What do you want? I shout again. Ever so slowly, she reaches up to remove the mask. But just as she is lifting the Egyptian mask 
to reveal her true identity. The window curtains tumble down and hide the outside world. I work like a madman to lift the curtains, but they are heavy and are struggling to stay up as I lift them with the drawstring. I decide I'd rather see the princess's face than have working curtains. I rip the curtains from the top of the window and toss them to the floorboards. The sky has resumed its misty demeanor and the floating princess has disappeared. I look down at the gravel driveway. I can't make out any sign of a discarded mask. Frustrated, I put the half-empty white Zinfandel in the bathroom on the sink counter and tumble into bed to cry. It is deathly quiet in my room as I wake in the morning. 11.13 a.m. blares along the lock screen of my phone. And then it begins. The crickets. Crickets in heat, rubbing up against each other for warmth and release. I rise in my bed and lean my head against the pillow, thumping crickets, fucking crickets, needling their tricky little legs into my ears and creating noise. I'm in a lagoon of sorts in my bed, the bedchamber alive with the noise of crickets. A pool of sweat forms the center of my bed. I am sitting cross-legged in a pool of my sweat and urine. Precisely at 11.19 a.m., I hear quite clearly a thump-a-dump-thump from beneath my bed. I fall from my bed frame and swing my arms wildly underneath the frame, daring any attacker to confront me and face the consequences. My hands find something hard and solid, and I bring it forth into the light. It is the Egyptian mask, Nesmin. I can see the mouth open gradually, and it tells me something sharply and crisply. No mortal man can live under the roof of another without eventually losing his lunch. I drop the mask to the floor and panic. I can't eat the next day. My vision is blurred. I make things and place them in front of me. Brown rice, oatmeal, kale Caesar salad, tofu sandwiches. I put the food in my mouth and try to eat it, but it is not helping. I'm having trouble chewing, and there's no way that I'm about to swallow anything. It always inevitably ends with me just spitting it up onto the plate or into the bowl. The next night, I am slithering onto the couch like a soporific snake, and I can hear my name being called gently from behind the cracks of the front door. Titus! Titus! Oh, Titus! Yes, Lord. I bolt up from the couch and race to the door. It is the Thai takeout. That's right, I reminded myself. I placed an order with Bang Noi Thai just half an hour ago, over the phone. I check my recent calls, and sure enough, there is the evidence. 7.13 p.m., Bang Noi Thai. Is Eden here with you? 
I asked frantically. Who's Eden? The delivery man asks. No matter, I reply. What's the damage? That'll be fifteen ninety-five, and tip isn't included. I dig into the deepest, darkest recesses of my trousers to procure the correct amount. <laughs>